You're listening to the Alchemy of Self podcast with Romza. The world is currently in a state of rebirth. All of the systems we have inherited are collapsing and failing us as a species. It's time for us to come together and create something out of nothing. If you crave deeper purpose, unshakable strength, and a life aligned with your truth, this is for you. This is for you if you are curious and not afraid to ask questions. This podcast is for those searching for their purpose and those ready to step into their full potential. For lovers of truth and those ready for masculine medicine, this podcast is an adventure that gives voice to a journey of healing, discovery, and embodiment. We'll challenge the old narratives we inherited and forge a new path. Join us in this fearless exploration of the multiple dimensions of being human, breathwork, mindset, healing the body, detox, and how to use the gentle way of jujitsu to make you unstoppable in your wellness, business, life, relationships, and more. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine, as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It is not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Hey guys, welcome to Our Deepest Fear with your host, Rome Zah or Roman Zerodansky, whatever you want to call me or anything in between. Today I'm here with a very, 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 very special guest, my big brother, uh, my mentor, my teacher, uh, originally my healer, and most importantly, my friend. He's a chiropractor, he's a nutritionist, he does soft tissue work, he created a line of incredible supplements. He's probably like the mayor of Bay Ridge in Brooklyn, and if if there was a mayor, it would be him. And honestly, one of the most hardworking, honest, loving, kind, uh, gracious, strong, muscular, handsome, athletic men that I know. I'd like to welcome Dr. Ian Stern. Welcome to the hey, welcome to the show, Doc. Thanks. Great to be here, bro. It's crazy uh, that you wrote. It's crazy that you wrote an introduction <laughs> like that. That's such a great introduction. You only left out half of it, though. <laughs> it's great to be here. I, you know, it's, you know, I, I've been listening to all your, all the podcasts, pretty much all of them that you've done so far. So just to be a part of this is obviously incredibly special. You're. You know, I think you're so gifted and incredible what you do. So it's just to be a part of this is, you know, obviously it's very touching for me to be a part of it. Bro, you've been a part of it for a long time. I mean, if it wasn't for you, I would probably have killed myself. 
Uh, I, I, and I really mean it. Like I, I truly do believe that. Um, I was in such bad shape when I met you. I was probably like, what, 22, 23, maybe, maybe. How, you're a 33 now? Yeah. So probably 23. 23. And I was so banged up, bro. I had disc herniations and torn ligaments and places that I didn't even know existed. And um, I, all the people that I went to wanted to do surgery or give me cortisone shots. And I wasn't sleeping for like weeks at a time. And I was just like in terrible fucking pain. More, more so terrible pain for my soul because I wasn't able to do what I love. And I didn't even know what I love than my body. And honestly, like um, meeting you helped me find more so than like healing. Um, it helped me find balance in my life. So for that, I'm truly grateful. I mean, you were, uh, you were like the first man that I met that was kind and also not dangerous. So I had like my criminal friends that were like, that had a different masculine energy growing up. And then I had my jujitsu friends that were like dangerous and kind. And you were the first man that I met that was just kind, period. So thank you for showing me that kindness, bro. Of course, bro. I mean, you know, it's all, for me, I've built this, I'm not going to say a wall around compliments because I do get a lot of compliments. I'm always super, super appreciative, but I've, I've learned many years ago to, you know, if I take a compliment too high, then I might take an insult too low. Like if I'm helping somebody, you know, feel better, put them in a position where they could heal and, and do the things they like to do, like you're talking about. Like, I'm just very grateful to be a part of that process. I don't look at it as me doing it to you or for you. It's just more as like, sort of like a team effort. And so therefore, when you say it, it's, you know, it's obviously so humbling. So I'll just say, you know, I'm just glad to be a part of it. <laughs> you know, you could just be like, thank you, I know. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, Doc, where, where did you grow up? Because there's a lot of people that don't know you. And I would, I mean, this is just the first of many episodes. So I grew up in, have you on. So I grew up in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Uh, typical suburb. You know, I had a brother, parents. It was really a very vanilla life. Like if you saw a movie growing up in the seventies or eighties, like super bad or one of those movies, that's kind of my life. I mean, that was my childhood. Was, you know, you'd ride your bike to 7-Eleven and get a Slurpee. You would, I mean, you'd do some things you probably shouldn't do. And, you know, it's, it was just a very peaceful neighborhood, no crime. You know, all the kids hung out. It was just basically typical suburb in the seventies. What are some of the things that you guys would do as kids that would get you in trouble or not? Uh, I mean, I was, listen, I made a big turn in my life when I went to, I guess my turn in life was when I really realized I wanted to be a chiropractor. I mean, I was pre-med and I was, I always had the ability to do well in school, fortunately. So I didn't necessarily have to maybe 
put a hundred percent of my energy into the scholastic, so to speak. But I guess when I was younger, I guess we would, you know, like, I, I don't want to say like all kids, but we would be smoking and drinking and partying and, and just, you know, being kids, getting into trouble, getting into, you know, some mischievous stuff. I love it. I love it. I love mischievous stuff. That's what forms us as human beings. That's when we learn boundaries and balance and fun too, you know? Fun. Yeah. Yeah, it was listen, my childhood was amazing. I had a great it was great. I mean, I, I couldn't continue that type of lifestyle and do what I do, but I mean when you're 12, 13 to 20, 21, you could, you know, pretty much do whatever you want to do. For sure. You, I mean, it would be awesome if you did, right? Because you might be like the punk rock chiropractor. Um. <laughs> I don't know if I would ever be the punk rock chiropractor, but definitely, yeah, I couldn't do it now. What, what, kind of, what kind of music did you listen to as a kid? Classic rock, Pink Floyd, The Who, Led Zeppelin, Grateful Dead. What, what, um, what were those people called? like that used to listen to that kind of music back in those days? Did they have like a name for it? I know like if you listen to hip hop, like you're a hip hop head or punk rock, right? Punk rocker. Um, I don't think so, bro. I don't think there was any name to it. I mean, that's, I mean, yeah. I mean, they were, I guess the Who and Pink Floyd are still playing now, but I mean, I saw them. I guess you could kind of still maybe see them in concert. I have no idea. But sure. they were, I mean, I grew up in the 70s so and 80s. So, I mean, it was just, the music was only like five, 10 years old. So it wasn't, it wasn't, it's, I guess it was still classic rock, but I don't really think, I don't think we ever had a name for us. What was society like back in the 70s and 80s? Like in the United States and the East Coast? I mean, I remember there's no internet, there's no, there's no cell phone. I really didn't have an understanding of society more than from what, from maybe watching movies and reading books. I mean, for me, society was a suburb, you know, you ride your bike around. If you want to go to the mall, you, you know, drive to the mall, that kind of stuff. But I mean, it would, I didn't, I think the only thing I was afraid I think the you really weren't in touch with like what was going on in the world so much because you know I mean you're a teenager I wasn't watching the news there's no there's no internet so I guess society was basically my society which was just being a teenager you know trying to find you know being kind of hooking up with girls going out to parties like you're it was a much more self-centered life you weren't thinking about about the world and is there are there wars we didn't think like that back then i mean at least i personally didn't think like that back then. what did you want to be when you grew up mm. so i in high school i think i was a big chevy chase fan so there was I, I thought for a second I thought you said Chubby Chase and I was like, wow, I mean <laughs> so he in one movie he he was a writer in, and he was living in Colorado. So I thought that might be a good life. You know, I would be a writer because you know I, I wrote pretty well. So I was like, you know what, I'm gonna be a writer, live in Colorado, and just do that lifestyle. 
But then I realized by the time I was a senior in college, I just, I mean, a senior in high school, I honestly had no idea what I wanted to do. So the first day of college, I was sitting there and you had to pick your major and I always loved the body. So I said, you know what, let me just go pre-med and I could just become a doctor and figure out, you know, what kind of specialty I want to do from there. And then uh, a couple years into college, you know, I was doing well and it was a summertime and I was on the beach hanging out with my friends and there was a chiropractor there and we started talking about health and how the body heals and, and what true health is. And, and I just love the, the paradigm, the philosophy behind um, giving the body what it needs so the body can heal itself. Uh, through biomechanics. He didn't really talk nutrition, but I mean, obviously, no, I've, I really love nutrition too and biochemistry and, and how the body works to, to make it function so efficiently. And from that point on, I just, you know, I had all the prereqs for pre-med, so I just went chiropractic route. And, and that's all I've ever wanted to be ever since. What, what are some of the other philosophies in like chiro, like the philosophies that you subscribe to in chiropractic and, and like health in general or well-being in general? So values, philosophies, I guess, like, I think, I think, I think for health, I think when it comes to physiology, so, so obviously there's emotional, there's physiology, you know, I don't want to say spiritual, but we'll just say, we'll just say what we can really you know, put our hands on. So for when it comes to physiology, um, I'm a huge believer in biomechanics. And I think the problem is people look at chiropractors as alternative or holistic, or there's, there's different, there's different names given to certain professor professions when it deals with medicine or doctors. And somehow, it's become a black or white or almost like looking at politics, like Democrat or Republican, you like you pick a side. But I think if you really got down to the basics of it, every chiropractor, medical doctor, acupuncturist, anyone who deals with the body would agree that the better someone moves, the better someone heals. So like if you move better, there's going to be better nerve and blood flow. And if there's better nerve and blood flow, there's better function. If there's better function, there's less inflammation, there's less pain. Everybody needs certain essential nutrients, vitamins, minerals, proteins, fats for their body processes to function at 100%. We all, uh, again, everyone would agree to that. So I think where you start getting your differences is where, what technique do you want to utilize to create the best biomechanics for that particular person. And, and at what point of an injury can that person even come back from? And I think I've had the good fortune of seeing a lot of injuries where people would come in and other people might have given up on them. But by using certain techniques, like I'm a big believer in soft tissue work, um, yes, I do your classic chiropractic adjustments, but I'm a big, big believer in fascia and using fascia release to create that motion. 
And when you do it and you, pr- and you bring back good motion, it's amazing at what injuries you can heal. And on the nutrition end, bringing the essential nutrients back into someone, maybe removing foods that are inflammatory, also creates great health and wellness. So I think all people have the same paradigm, whether they know it or not, which is biochemistry and proper biochemistry and biomechanics are the way to heal someone. I think the differences come into what technique you might want to do to achieve that. And so for me, technique wise, it's making sure someone is moving properly. And for me, there's so many layers of old injury adhesions within the soft tissue. I have found just classic chiropractic adjustments doesn't usually work, at least for me, maybe there's chiropractors out there, it does. And I found the soft tissue combination for the, for the biomechanic aspect of health has been amazing. And the nutrition, remove the foods that bother you, bring foods that you, know, that you need nourishment from, and usually that works well too. I love it. Um, actually, let's zoom out a little bit. It's, it's a beautiful answer. Um, let's zoom out a little bit. And, and like something that comes to me, like an idea that comes to me as you, as you say these things is like, you were the first person that I met that wasn't like, okay, I, I am that, right? Um, you were like, I am that, I am that, I am that. Uh, you, you were the first person in the medical field that I've met that was that, that was that, that, and that. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't, I definitely don't, I wouldn't necessarily, I mean, listen, I'm a chiropractor first and foremost, the the paradigm of biomechanics comes from a chiropractic philosophy, but I wouldn't, but I think the pro, I mean, we all come in, I mean, semantics are huge in our society and we all come in with our pre-framed idea of what a certain word means. And so if I say I'm a chiropractor, I know most people think they're going to come in and maybe get like two minutes of my time. And that's just not what I do. So, but, but that's what, that, that's what would happen. Like if um, they would go to pretty much any other chiropractor. So there's a like, yeah, linguistics is definitely important, but um, sometimes like, like for example, the word doctor in our society or like medical doctor in our society has taken on a totally different meaning than people expect it to. People think in their head like healer or somebody that can like um, heal them, but like essentially they do diagnostics and then they write your prescription. There's not very many other procedures that they do outside of like the surgical um, like emergency setting um, or uh, what do you call it? Like, uh, like plastic surgery, like aesthetics or emergency. We're really good and, at that. And, and, and in the end, diagnostics. Mm-hmm. I mean, when, I, when you talk to someone who's really into an allopathic physician or someone who really likes allopathic doctors, which are medical doctors, they will say, oh, he's such a great diagnostician. He's so great. at He diagnosed this person with this. So Sometimes I always think, wow, what an easy job. If all I had to do is try to figure out the problem and not have to actually maybe even fix the problem, that might be the best job ever. It's yeah. just like, you know, but. And, 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 and also you have no responsibility if you made the wrong diagnostic because then they come back and you just do it again, right? So 
That's an interesting thing. So, so what I was saying was this, actually, I'm actually not ragging on allopathic medicine. I think that their diagnostics, their um, aesthetic tools that they use, and also their emergency tools that they use are um, very high quality at the highest levels. But what yeah, I'm saying, I, would, I, would, I would never rag on that. So for sure. I know, I know you would never. You're like the nicest person in the world. But there's one thing that comes up to me for me when I zoom out and I think about what you said is like something that came to me recently was like um, my whole life, people were like, uh, are you this or are you that? And my whole life, I kept choosing this or that, this or that, right? And then I would be stressed out because I realized like, I'm not just that. I'm that, I'm that, I'm that, I'm that. And that was the realization that I can be more than just that. And um, I think that one of the things that comes up in our society is like, oh, I'm a liberal or I'm a conservative or I am this and I am that. And then we um, become like stuck on our viewpoint and we think that it's like our viewpoint, like it's my viewpoint, I'm ready to die for it. Where in reality, it's like everybody's got like cool shit and everybody's got like stupid shit and it's totally different for everybody. And like, liberals have cool shit and do like allopathic doctors and like everybody's got a piece of the of the puzzle and back in the day when we used to have debates it wasn't to prove that you're right it was to come up with a better solution yeah i mean i do think people become extremely attached i mean i'm not you know whether it's ego driven or insecurity where someone might be proven wrong, but I do think people become attached to their opinions. I mean, I like to think that a lot of people are open-minded and are, are willing to listen and share, but I do know that there's a lot of people who become attached to a particular belief system and then, and then they lock in on that and then that's it. They're locked and loaded and they're ready to die for it. It almost feels like we're predisposed to it. We're predisposed to it because we're originally tribal. Like for so long, we were tribal. And it's like, my tribe is better than your tribe, right? But now we're just doing it on Facebook and Instagram as opposed to like fighting with rocks and sticks. I mean, I also think, now I might be wrong, but I also think you're, and you tell me if I'm wrong, I think you're, philosophy on this might be i'm not going to use the word tainted but definitely influenced because the politics in this country are so dramatically right left black white right now i don't i don't mean african-american caucasian i mean like just you know polar opposites yeah so i it wasn't so much like that like when when i like i'll give you an example when i was in i think maybe fourth grade i was nine years old 1980 ronald reagan was running for president and our history project was to go home Tuesday, that Tuesday night, and we had to draw in red or blue on the color of the map. And I remember I drew in 49 red states. I think he won, I think maybe Mondale won one state. Is red Democrat or Republican? Republican. Oh. So that was 1980. So that was my, you know, when you're nine, that's how you, you learn about life when you're seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, right? So... I didn't have, like, it wasn't this, this incredibly polemic ideas of uh, ideology. It wasn't so dramatic when I was a kid um, growing up. So I guess part of my fabric still 
doesn't tie into that, but I do guess, you know, I guess I could see even my own children, my 20 year old and my 15 year old, they grew up with this very rough, you know, like polarization almost. Yeah. But back then there was, I mean, there was no CNN, there was no, there was no fighting. It was just, you know, it was one, it was ABC or CBS or, you know, it was one newscaster, like a, like an older Dan Rather type guy who would just present the news and it wasn't opinionated. So there, so there weren't opinions. It was just facts. So I think in order to argue, you have to have opinions. Back then it was more factual type stuff. So there really wasn't a lot of argument, arguing. I wonder if it was all factual or there was just only one opinion as opposed to like, now there's a few. Does that make sense? I mean, I mean, there, I, obviously if there was Republicans and Democrats, there's different opinions, but there, the, but the arguments weren't like played out on a nightly, daily, minute, by know, minute, 17, basis, yeah. minute by minute basis on channel, on different channels and then there, and Twitter and Instagram and all this. And then there weren't newscasts that were dedicated to one philosophy, which is also very interesting. Like you, if you watch NBC, you know, it's gonna have a liberal, not only a liberal tilt, it's all pro-liberal ideas. And if you watch Fox, you know, it's gonna be on the flip side with the conservatives. So they didn't have TV stations that were just completely dedicated to one completely one complete opinion, which is what's interesting in the first place. So, so I didn't grow up with that polarization type stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think I think I think chiropractic versus medicine was a bigger deal when I got out of chiropractic school than Republicans versus Democrats. At least because obviously I'm a chiropractor. So for sure. So when I was zooming out, I was just using the political um, idea as the same as like chiropractic, allopathic, or even in my world, right? Kung Fu and uh, karate or Kung Fu and boxing. But you remember those things or like wrestling or when Muhammad Ali fought the wrestler right back in the day. Um, Like where we've always been tribal. Uh, Yeah. that's kind of like where I was going with it. Like uh, we've always been tribal, really. You know, this is just they're playing and on our predisposed um, inherent traits that we have epigenetically or even genetically. I don't know, probably epigenetically. And um, th- like I was telling my parents earlier, like back in the day, men, uh, in order to control a man's mind, I don't know back in which day, but ancient times, like you needed. Um, maybe the influence of a woman uh, or fear. Fear was a big one, right? And the fears that men had back in the day were uh, public opinion, right? They were um, force, right? Somebody will kill you, um, rape, enslavement, like those, those kind of things. And now to control men, because we have 8 billion people um, and it's like, it's hard to control 8 billion people. Uh, so now we have six to eight inch devices um, that, men could stare into and they can uh take out their necessary like fight like men 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 fight like for for a long time uh and that was part of also like the the ritual of becoming a man like you would get punched in your face at some point you know um and now like we don't have those rituals and we have like a six to eight inch screen that we stare into and argue with 
for 12 to 15 hours a day. So yeah. I, mean, I think, I think people, if we're talking about a need and what, what we're born with, I think people want to be a part of something. Yes. I think people want to, to feel connected and feel happy and happiness sometimes I think it's mixed up with pleasure. I'm reading, I read this, my new favorite book, The Art of Happiness. Did you read yeah, that? Yeah, of course. So, so I think we sometimes get mixed up between those two things, but I think people have a, a certain want to feel connected. And I, I think a certain want to feel, maybe feel important, you know, feel successful. So I think that drives them to be, to be, to want to attach to an idea in the first place mm -hmm. because they want to belong to something. So maybe like you're saying back when men first, you know, walk the earth, they, maybe they didn't attach to a, an idea so much, but they, they just had to, you know, go through life and they had to focus more on survival. Now we don't necessarily, at least, you know, hopefully most people have the ability to feed themselves and close themselves. Maybe most people aren't maybe attaching to survival. Now we're attaching to opinions. And then those opinions, you want to, you want to sort of feed your ego, so to speak. So what are you going to do? You're going to, like you say, you look at your phone, go on Twitter, go on Instagram, watch TV and just watch opinions and people's feedback that only proves you're right versus watching something or talking to someone that might give you a different viewpoint and then kind of challenge you. And then that might make you feel uncomfortable. Yeah, we've definitely, my dad used to say this to me as a kid. He goes, see, he goes, your generation is really good at hitting. It's just really bad at taking hits. And uh, it's definitely visible right now with uh, like, as the, as we keep progressing in time and it's perfect. It is what it is, right? It's just the cycle of life. And the quote that comes to me is like, uh, it keeps coming back over and over again. This quote is just like uh, hard times make strong men and strong men make weak men and weak men make hard times. And then it's just consistently like this cycle. Um, so Something, something that I think about, whether it's right or wrong, I don't know, but I don't know. I don't necessarily think it's wrong. Yeah. Just, it, just, sound, it sounds cool. Yeah, well, it is what it is, right? Like, um, it's just, very, it's visible, you know? Like, I, I know that, um, or I think that uh, the people that survived, like, World War II and survived, like, the Great Depression in the United States, like, they, a lot of them, like, uh, it, it, it was passed down, like whatever their experiences was, was passed down to the kids. And some of them went into like coddling mode. Um, and, and like, and, and if you were poor growing up, like, and you made money, like you want your kids to not go without anything. But um, the idea of loss and suffering, like actually is a crucible, is a crucible to forge steel, to forge, uh, uh, an inner powerful human being uh, like we need this like we can't avoid the suffering or the pain like we just we go towards it and it forges us into who we actually are without the bullshit at least that's, well, is it, that's 
I mean, and isn't that interesting? Because you're like, you can't avoid it as if, as if that's almost an opinion when everyone has suffering. Everyone has to lose somebody. You know, everyone has to grow old. Everyone has to face get these, get sick. Everyone has to face these things. There's going to be suffering. And, and I think that's, I was actually thinking about that today because I was doing a workout this morning and I was thinking how, because of like you mentioned a plastic surgeon earlier, which I thought was interesting because because of plastic surgery, because of the ability to, and Botox and, 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 and the ability to stay younger to a later age, more people are are fighting aging than when I was a kid. Like, I mean, at least from what I noticed, like, like if you're, when I was a kid, if someone was 50, they were older and they were, and they were okay with it. There wasn't like this, this radical fight to, to not age, to not look 50, to not feel 50. And I think now and maybe because of Instagram, maybe because of Facebook, maybe because you're seeing, you know, these people out there doing these amazing feats and living these amazing lives at whatever age, you have this view, this feeling that, that age and death and all these things are things that you might be able to avoid. And obviously, no one's avoiding them. So I think it almost becomes a dual-edged sword. Our ability to stay younger longer also forces us or maybe prohibits us from recognizing that age and death are just part of life. And, and then you almost become afraid of them. And then you get into this vicious loop of, of trying to fight something that is unfightable eventually. Yeah. Or, or ever, right? Like we're born into the grave. Like that, that's like people say like death and taxes. No way. There's tons of people that avoid taxes. Death, I haven't met anyone. Exactly. You know, I haven't met anyone. Um, well, I mean, we'll have to see what Elon Musk has to say about that in a few years, but we'll see. for now. But he's a cyborg. So it's not even like a thing. True. Like cyborgs. I, I mean, maybe cyborgs die too, right? Um, what was the first thing that like you remember falling in love with? first thing or first first experience first thing first process first uh i don't know first anything i guess my earliest childhood memory when i uh i was going to play baseball i i, I don't know i mean i want i can't i don't know if, i don't know about love but I remember I was going to play baseball and I was leading, I was going to be the leadoff hitter and I had my new uniform and it was, you know, laid out the night before and I literally couldn't sleep all night. I just was, I was just so excited and pumped up. I stayed up all night to put that uniform on, go to the field I could still smell the grass, feel that bat. Like that was, I think, the first time where, where I just couldn't sleep. I was so pumped up for life. And I've had many, many, many experiences since then. But for just 
the the enjoyment of living and loving life that was probably my first experience that's incredible i used to remember that like first day of school the day before i would have all my stuff on like a chair next to the fucking uh next to the bed so when i wake up i can put on those fresh clothes that my mom bought me and uh go and uh, see my friends in these new clothes with maybe my new armpit hair or my new ball hair or something, you know? <laughs> so yeah, that's exciting, bro. That's exciting. All right. So how did you know, like chiropractic was like your thing? Like, how did you know that, like, what was the process internally? Maybe not the thought process, but like, did you feel something? Did you think something? Like, what what happened that you were like, this is going to be the thing? So, like I told you that beach story. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because chiropractic is a very interesting profession because, and my wife and I kind of joke around about this a lot because she's obviously been, she, I was dating her in college when I was applying for chiropractic school. And so she's been through with me through this whole process. And, and like I said, you know, I, I've always had the ability to do well scholastically. I'm always, I was always able to, of course, exactly. So I was always able to just learn and study and do well. And that's fine. So I was really into philosophy. I was, um, I've always loved philosophy and, and reading about philosophy. I just love, like thinking about life and like, just like the conversations we've had over the years. So when I was on the beach that day and he told me the philosophy of chiropractic, the philosophy of health, I of course was completely attached to it. I loved it. Right. We're talking about being attached. I loved, I loved the thought process. So I applied to a chiropractic school, never having gone to a chiropractor. I never had been adjusted before. I didn't even know what, what you did. All I know is you're going to allow somebody to heal themselves through biomechanics and nutrition and all these things. And it totally made sense to me. It made much more sense than at that point than going to medical school. So I was, that was it. I was doing it. So when I got to chiropractic school, about two weeks in, when I started getting adjusted for the first time, I had a sudden realization that this isn't just a brain game. This is something I'm going to have to do with my hands. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to physically touch somebody to get them to be better. And at that point, for like a few months, I was like nervous and fearful that I'm like, do I, am I going to have this talent to, to, to like push somebody this way? And all of a sudden, they're not going to have neck pain or back pain. And so you're not really technically supposed to start adjusting people until probably a year and a half in. Me and my friends who obviously had the exact same thought process I had, we were adjusting each other every single day from really from the like the fourth day of school straight to the end. Because we understood it's, it's a physical thing. So I think probably probably a couple years into school when my when I started really getting a good sense of touch and and started to feel what I wanted to feel I would say I would say that's when I started to realize I think I can do this that's when I started to realize it when I really started to 
hone in on the soft tissue work probably was, I'd say six months, I'd say probably a few months out of chiropractic school. I was in practice. I was seeing this woman who had a, a whiplash injury and Back then, chiropractic still to me was what most people think of it as you were just adjusting people. And so I adjusted her and you're in chiropractic school. They say, don't ask how the person's feeling, believe it or not. Like one of the things is you don't want to focus on symptoms. You only want to focus on making sure the body's in the right position. And then that's all you focus on. And then the person will get better. They come three times a week. And that's, that was like the mindset. But I never could do that because, you know, I'm a talker. So I'd be like, how's that feel? Mm -hmm. And then, and that's where, you know, if you've ever been to me, I say, how's that feel? It's like, it comes out of my mouth, like every five minutes. So sure. she's like, I feel horrible. And I was like, all right, well, let's see if I could do a little bit more. Right. Like, I mean, usually the adjustments were short. But I was like, let's see if I can do a little bit more. And next thing you know, an hour later, I'm using my thumbs. I'm using it like I was the first time I've ever used my thumbs and she felt great. And so I went home. I'm like, I said, to my wife, I said, I came up with this new technique because I've no one ever taught me how to do it. I said, the only problem is I might have thumb pain for the rest of my life because my <laughs> thumbs, my thumbs hurt so bad for like, and literally they hurt probably for three or four straight years. And I would use them so deep on all my patients. I felt like I was working with broken thumbs. I literally thought I should get x-rays one day because there was no doubt there was some type of fracture. And then one day they just stopped hurting. Now they're just like, you know, I could probably push on steel and, and it doesn't bother me. But that's when, when I really started to understand what kind of chiropractor I wanted to be. When I saw that woman and and did the soft tissue work and really and really everything started coming together that that's when i understood that stuff wow it's interesting there's uh there's something that comes up for me when you tell that story and um it was uh like a feeling a, a feeling of insecurity came up like when you were in college like am i going to be good at this like am i good at, like because that comes up for a lot of people right like that like when we try something new and then we're like, am I ever going to be good at this? And like, the reality is, yeah, if you keep fucking practicing, which was the point of the story, right? Like, if you keep practicing, you'll get good. Um, yeah, 100%. I Listen, I was afraid. I was nervous. Yeah. So, and like a lot of people quit, right? Because the mindset um, is like, oh, if it's hard, like maybe it's not for me. No, if it's hard, that means maybe it is for you. Because like... Uh, it, the higher barrier of entry means that there's a lot less competitors in that field. Um, if we're talking entrepreneurship or even sports or anything that you like go and maybe you don't need to compete. Right. Cause that's the magic when you're just constantly just, I just want to be better. Like that's the thing that I love about you is like, first of all, when I first met you, I don't think you've ever been on like a vacation. Um, I did oh, like, not take, back then. I did not take a lot of vacations. No. Yeah, I still probably don't, but to the average person, I still don't. But yes, back then, I, I mean, took I've zero. literally never, I've never met anybody like when I, like when I met you, I never met anybody that loved their profession and like what they do more than you did. 
I mean, I can't, I mean, I know a lot of people who love what they do, but yes, I don't think you can love it more than I enjoy doing what I do. I do. I am very grateful that I found something that hits all the, the intricacies of what I like to do. I like to help people. Um, I do like to use my hands, which is, which fortunately I get to use them. I do like to use my brain and, you know, trying to figure out what the problem is for someone and what techniques I should use and how I should attack each individual because everyone's different. I love doing that. And I have fun with people. Like I really enjoy people and talking and, and, uh, and hearing stories. And I have so many people I've met over the years. There's so many professions of people that, that they do. And I, I learn about different professions and it's just, it's really just an incredible job, incredible experience that I get to do every day. So it is great. Yeah. I mean, I, I like, I, yeah, it's, it's incredible. It's like, uh, it's a blessing, you know, like there's just like knowing you and, and like, I mean, not just you, but like humans, right? Like humans that find their sacred calling. Um, it just, it, it feels, it feels right because it gives, uh, I don't want to say hope, but I want to say a guidepost, a guidepost, right? Because otherwise, like people, you could turn into a guru, right? And be like, no, this is the way where it's like, now there's a million chiropractors, right? Because they're like, no, I, that was the way. But like, that's kind of what happens with religion. But the reality is, it's like, no, they just left you a guidepost. Like this, this is potentially the way, but there's no way. There's so many ways. So many. And I will say this too. Because we're talking about, I mean, because you were bringing this up about guys and strong guys and stuff like that. I think me being afraid, me being nervous has, uh, and shows that having fear is not always such a bad thing. Like, I think, you know, we hear like no fear and, and, and don't be afraid and, and that type of having that type of philosophy, but there's no doubt me being afraid of failing and not being able to do something a thousand percent made me better at what I do. Like if I came in and was kind of semi-confident and cocky, I would not be where I am today. That uh, I'm a hundred percent sure of. So sometimes I think fear can be good. If you use it for, if, if you use it and I was just saying this to uh, a person reached out to me and asked me a question and she had like a lot of anxiety and a lot of fear. And, and I wasn't thinking about my own story, but I guess I could use it in this, in this instance, if you look at it and don't run away from it and you lean into it and you accept it, what you're afraid of, and then work through it and, and really get into why you're afraid and then not, and not kind of back away it could be, I mean, like in my, just specifically in my instance, it could be not only, not only okay, it could be incredibly useful for you. Yeah. So how do you know it's like the magic isn't hiding behind the fear? Exactly. And how do you know you don't need the fear to push you? You know, so, you know, everyone gets pushed for different reasons. Yeah. You know, if you, if you utilize it to push you, I mean, then it, then it's good too. For sure. When I started teaching as a purple belt at my academy, um, one of the reasons why I kept practicing teaching, like teaching was a practice. It wasn't something that I took as uh, like, I'm the best. 
No, like it was just something that I wanted to become better at because I had a chip on my shoulder about being a purple belt. So like there's gifts inside of every situation. Like it's always perfect. Exactly. So when... Right, we, know so, you should be a, we know you should be a second degree black belt. <laughs> Thanks, bro. But it's even better that I'm not, right? Um, <laughs> no, it's perfect just the way it is. Now, uh, you have a supplement company that we're partners in, right? Uh, yeah. What What's some of the philosophy and the values behind the brand? It's not a supplement company. It's a health company. The idea of it was for honestly, like um, I, I envision the idea uh, to share you with the rest of the world because um, you're a gem. You're a, you're a gem, and I wanted other people to be able to experience it uh, Thanks, a little bit. Uh, Thank you. So, what what's some of the philosophies and the values of like the Stern brand? I mean, I think. The first thing is we'll go from as wide out as possible of course. that nutrition is a very essential part in someone's health. I mean, what nutrients they put into their body is going to make a difference in how they function, whether it's not only how they physically feel, but emotions, how they sleep, how they digest, just their overall wellness is intricately tied to their nutrition so now we say okay now that we all agree to that now what is a supplement in 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 itself so you get most of your nourishment from food but and and that's how you should get most of your nourishment but in this day and age when people are so stressed people are taxing their bodies their minds obviously to such a great degree they don't sleep as much and our foods have definitely been depleted due to overuse of soil and and how our foods have been processed people are lacking certain nutrients and people are coming into physicians like me with certain conditions where they can use some supplemental support they can use some some little bridges to fill those gaps that they're not getting from their main diet. And so I've always recommended supplements to help that little, that give that little extra support to help someone feel better. And not until I met you and, and you put the idea in my head that the supplements I'm giving might not fall within the framework of the kind of health that we're trying to achieve in the first place. You know, why, if we're giving supplements to somebody, if we're, if the whole goal is to support somebody's healing system, why are we giving them supplements with fillers? Why are we giving them supplements with uh, these inactive ingredients that might actually be harmful for them? Why, why aren't we making supplements that are something that are all 100% about health and doesn't have to deal with the, the, the byproducts of something that we might not want to put in, not only our body, our family's body, but definitely not our patient's body either. And so I never knew I can make my own supplements until I met you. And then you said, yeah, we can make our own supplements. Let's make our own supplements. So 
And then, then from there came formulas that, you know, I'm really proud of. I think you're really proud of, you know, formulas that really target the, 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 what we're trying to achieve, whether it's a, the probiotic for digestion, whether it's, you know, something to help lower cortisol for the adrenal glands, you know, we we made really nice formulas, no inactive ingredients, no fillers, super healthy. And so I think that's pretty much how that supplement company got started. It was, and then obviously you and I both know we're both givers. We, whatever we do, we want to do it a hundred percent. And to just sell a supplement seemed, I don't know. I don't want to say boring, but it didn't, it's, I mean, you and I both know it's not, you know, it's, we just don't want to be, you know, salesmen. So to be able to make it an experience to be able to, to give somebody more is always our, uh, definitely our company's philosophy, my philosophy, and I know it's your philosophy. And so when people reach out and we have, we have given so many outlets for people to reach out and ask health questions and ask questions that don't even have anything to do with supplements. And I could share some information and maybe impart some ideas to help them. I mean, that's been, I think the best part of this whole process. Yeah. It's definitely been an incredible, incredible journey. I mean, because like the idea is like um, supplements are not the way <laughs> it's just like, it's one of the myriad of ways that, you can go about healing, right? And like, um, the well, I always say, I always say to somebody, supplements are supplemental, like yeah. tile. Like if you go into a, a an, into a building and you see this beautiful tile floor, you're not saying, "Wow, look at that grout." You're saying, "Wow, it's a beautiful tile floor." The tile is the food you eat, the water you drink. The tile is your main meals. The grout, though, ties it together. So if you don't have grout, then you don't have a tile floor. You know, there's no cohesiveness. For, and if you are having a diet that's really wonderful, but you're missing some key ingredients. And as you age, maybe you need some, some more assistance in certain areas, then that's where the supplements come in. It's not a, a, a one or the other. The, the word in and of itself means to supplement. And a supplement is just a small addition to enhance everything else you're doing with nutrition. Uh, I, that was a beautiful analogy. I've never heard that one before. So spectacular. Uh, what are, what are some of the, like the, what are like some of the fundamental things that somebody that's listening to this show can do to improve their health? Like, like let's say three things that they can do to improve their health in the next third, like, let's say the next 60 to no, fuck it. Let's say the next hundred days, right? Because like a hundred days is a weird marker because you hear it in, um, some spirituality circles. And then you hear it with like, um, like high achievement and performance circles. So there's, there's, there's some sort of correlation like that 90 to a hundred day thing. So what are three things that somebody can do, uh, right now starting today that would you know like um i guess you know you know how my brain works my brain already i think like it's basically trying to drink from a fire hose yeah. it's very it's very hard for me to narrow 
things down to three things, but I'll say, I'll say this because everyone's an individual. I would, cause it might be three different things for a hundred different people. Mm-hmm. But I would say the first thing I would do, if you, if, if you're trying to be healthy, the first thing I would do is write down what you want to feel like or look like or what health means to you a hundred days from now, because that's going to really then determine what you need to do a hundred days from now. Like you need to have some type of goal, some type of idea of what you want to achieve. Then the next thing I, but, but now that besides put that to the side, I think the three things that I would do would be to make sure I'm getting a good night's sleep. That would be number one. I mean, good night's sleep is where we produce growth hormone, where we heal, where our brain heals, where we filter out stress. A good night's sleep is how we um, uh, repair our, you know, any damage in our body. It helps balance our hormones. We lose body fat better. Disease decreases. We feel happier. A good night's sleep is so critical to a healthy person. That would be the first thing I would recommend. Now, from there, you would have to say, okay, now there's like, you know, that's like Roman numeral number one. So now how do you get a good night's sleep? So now you have to lower your cortisol levels, which are your stress gland, stress hormone. So now, because when you're stressed, your cortisol's up, that affects your sleep. So we forget even, so then you have to kind of eat healthy, you know, make sure you're not having lots of processed sugars and definitely no, like, you know, sugars late at night. Make sure you shut off your phone and your iPad and all the cells, you know, all the blue light stuff, a couple hours before bed, make sure you're maybe doing some meditation. So then you have this ultimate goal to get a good night's sleep. Then there's all these other things that you can now do to help you get a good night's sleep. So I would say, number one, get a good night's sleep. Number two, I would say you have to do some type of exercise movement. It doesn't have to be a gym. doesn't have to be, you know, it doesn't have to be like high intensity, but there has to be some type of movement. There has to be some type of uh, way to get your heart rate up, to get your body moving. It could be yoga. It could be dancing. It could be the gym, but you have to do some type of physical movement. And then, the, so you're getting good night's sleep, movement. And the third thing I would start doing is just starting to learn what foods you're eating that really nourish you and help you. And then what foods you're eating due to cravings and just trying to, you know, you just love the taste. And I would start slowly moving towards having more of the foods that nourish you and getting away from the foods that, you're just eating because you're craving like a certain sugar or some type of taste. And so after a hundred days, if you have a healthier diet, you're moving better and you're sleeping good, you're going to be a much healthier person. Yeah, I agree. I actually, you know what? I take back what I said, the hundred days, 
Um, like that, that plan right there that doc just said to you guys, um, like if you break it down and go deeper, that can be a 300 day plan. The first hundred days could be like, get your sleep, right. The second hundred days could be like, get your movement, right. And the third hundred days could be like, learn about food because like, you know what? I feel like in our culture, we try to get everything done as fast. Everybody wants to like transform their body in 30 days, you know, like seven days to rock a seven minute abs where it's just like that. That's literally, I feel like it comes from the fear of death. Like we won't. Yeah, have- I mean, listen, we talk about that. People are people want people are afraid of, of having problems because it does indicate something is not right. So yeah, but I, but I, I'll say, I'll say you're right. Could it be 300 days? It might be 3000 days. Yeah. I mean, these are all things you should just be doing forever anyway. So right, you might as you well know, start. <laughs> I got to start somewhere. For sure. All right. So what is like, what is the daily life of Dr. Stern look like? It's so boring, bro. You know, my daily life. I mean, yeah, da- I just want to hear like, when do you wake up? What time do you go to bed? Well, um, yeah. And then we'll, we'll move on to other questions. Uh I probably wake up five, five thirty, somewhere around there. If I usually wake up, if I'm not up by five, five thirty, my cat wakes me up because he's so used to eating at that time. Cause I feed him in the morning that he'll, he'll definitively let me know that it's around five thirty. <laughs> but I'm usually up before him. So I'll say five, five thirty, I get up. I, you know, take care of my cat. Number one, you gotta give before you get. And then, and then, I'm the only one up in my house. My wife's sleeping, my my son's sleeping. So that's where I'll, um, I have a drink I have every morning where I put some pink Himalayan salt in, some lemon, some fresh squeezed lemon. And sometimes I'll do some branch chain aminos, depending if I feel like it or not. Like I'm not always tied into the same thing every day. And have a cup. So I drink that, have another glass of water, and then I exercise. Every morning I exercise. Uh, but before I exercise, usually I'll sit there for about 20 minutes and I'll write out what I want to accomplish for the day. Like, I'm not going to say I'm doing like this huge journaling, but I do like just jot down uh, all the things that what I do is, which kind of for me, calms my brain down. I write on a piece of paper at the top of the paper what I want to accomplish by the time I go to bed. So this way, I don't feel like I have to get it done right away. Like I feel like, oh, I have until the time I go to sleep and it's so early in the morning, I'll have plenty of time to get it done. So it really calms me down. So then I write down everything I want to do by the time I fall asleep. And then by that time, you know, I'm feeling kind of awake. And then I exercise. Then after that, it's one of two things. It's if it's a, if it's a Sunday, um, going and playing handball, and 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 Sunday I exercise with our good friend Anthony Esposito, and then we play handball for a few hours. Then I come home. My wife made breakfast. Hang out with my wife and son the rest of the day. We'll walk our dog. We'll relax. Maybe watch a movie, read a book, and just kind of chill out all day. Every other day after that exercise, I'm going to work and adjusting people until nighttime. 
Then I come home, hang out with my wife, hang out with my son, and relax, read a book, watch a movie, you know, like that. I love it. What are, what it's just basically, about? I'm basically exercising or adjusting people or hanging out with my wife or son. It's basically what it. I'm doing 24-7. I love it. So what, what is your... Um... What does your food intake look like? Like, what are some of the things that you're eating? Uh, Carbohydrate-wise, vegetables, broccoli is my favorite, but I like asparagus a lot. Uh, I like salad. I like cucumbers. I like celery. Uh, Fruits, I like apples. And sometimes I'll have a banana, but not often, but apples are my main fruit and berries. But if berries aren't in season, then I don't get them. And then uh, protein-wise, I eat chicken and turkey. I'm not a big red meat eater. I eat wild salmon as uh, my fish of choice. And I have some brown rice, sweet potato. That's pretty much my, my diet. I'm pretty boring. I'm pretty, I'm pretty much eating the same things pretty much, but I just rotate them into different ways. I love it. What does your training look like? So, right. I mean, I'm always switching up my workouts, mm-hmm. but Sundays and Wednesdays is sort of like a strong day. So I'm doing more squats, deadlifts, uh, that type of stuff. And then the other days I throw on a 20 pound vest and I'm doing pull-ups, push-ups, uh, you running up and down the stairs in my apartment building that I'm doing mm-hmm. more like interval, like, like and, jail shit. <laughs> exactly. I yeah. The days I work, it's jail shit. The days I don't work, I go hang out at Esposito and we do real, real grown up workouts. No, nothing ironic <laughs> about that, bro. No. Do, you, do you still ride a bike everywhere you go? Uh, yeah, I ride a bike everywhere I go. Of course. I love it. I love of course. It. What are you, um, what are you learning now? Hmm, what am I learning now? Uh, I guess I'm always learning. Mm-hmm. Um, I just read my favorite book ever. I've just taught The Art of Happiness. So now I'm going to study, I think they call it Eight Noble, Eight Something. Some, some, there's eight things to to help you become a, a better human being. So I'm going to study that. I'm going to study a little Buddhism just because this art of happiness of Dalai Lama was so the, good. The, the noble eightfold path. You mean. The no, I'm going to study that. That's, that's what it. I'm learning now. That's what I'm going to learn now. Science wise. Uh, I'm making an electrolyte formula. So I'm always kind of tinkering with that. So I'm trying to figure out what the best combination of minerals is. I mean, I kind of already came up with the formula, but you know me, I always like to make it like revise it 35 times. Mm-hmm. Um, chiropractically, I mean, chiropractically, I'm always learning on the job. So what I'm learning now might be something, something I wouldn't even know. And I won't even know until I'm doing it tomorrow when I'm working with a patient. So, but that's Makes pretty sense. much it. Makes sense. All right. So this is kind of like uh, the imagination round. So I ask you a question. And uh, you give me the first answer that comes into your mind, right? Very zen. So okay. if you weren't a chiropractor, what would you be? Actually, it's interesting because I read this book, this is an old book called The Unbearable Lightness of Being. 
And in it, there's a medical doctor who loses his license. Uh, it's a great book, by the way. But so he loses his license and becomes a window washer. And one, I listen, I love my job, but I will tell you having the responsibility of helping people get healthy it takes a, a certain mental toll. Uh, fortunately, it has not taken a physical toll, but, but if you really care about people, which I do, and I'm not saying doctors don't, but you feel it when pe- you, you feel that weight. And even though it's not a bad weight, and even though I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world, it's, there is still a weight there to, to want and help people and, and have that responsibility. So I told my wife, I think I would be good. Like if I wasn't a chiropractor, I would be, I'd work for the sanitation department. That's what I would do. <laughs> I fucking love it. I, I, I did not think it was going in that direction, but I love it. And because like, I always t- like, I read that book and, and I thought, you know what? I keep, like, he became a window washer and it was just like, all he had to do was go to work and wash windows and all the, the politics and all the responsibilities not saying that being working for a sanitation department is no responsibilities, but there's no, like, it's just it's definitely different. It's just, it's definitely different. It's definitely yeah. different. So yeah. what is one thing you would love, love to upload into the minds of everyone in the world? Hmm. Like a thought or a thought, like an a- idea. Upload the minds of everyone in the world. Um, that their happiness doesn't really have to come from something other than what they already have inside of them. It doesn't have to come from a possession. It doesn't have to come from someone else being unhappy that it's something that we're born with, that we deserve and it's something that's easily accessible and that you, you have the right to it. And all you have to do is, is just, you know, follow a really good path and do some really good things in life and you'll be happy. I, I wouldn't want everyone to have no fear. I wouldn't want everyone to have a sense of peace right away. I wouldn't want everyone even to feel happy right away because I, for me in my life, a lot, like you said, like maybe that, that happiness comes around the mountain of fear. Like, I feel like you need to know that you have the ability to get it, but I'm a believer that unless you kind of do a little bit of the work, you don't appreciate it as much, at least what I've seen in my life. So I would want everyone to know that they have the ability to get it but I wouldn't want everyone to have it right away until they kind of worked a little bit for it. For sure. I love it. Uh, what is the one book that you find yourself recommending the most throughout life? I always used to recommend Krishnamurti because mm-hmm. he's a great philosopher. He's one of the, I, like I told you, I love philosophy and Krishnamurti. Um, I mean, he was just incredible like him and Osho those were the first like Indian guys that I kind of studied and, and just like that viewpoint of, of this collective consciousness and, 
and the paradigm of being in the moment and being present, they, they, those guys really meant a lot to me from when I, from when I grew up, but reading them is, is heavy stuff and it could be a little bit complex. I think if you asked me this yesterday, I probably would say Christian Murdy, but, or even maybe I should say two weeks ago, but now that I've read the art of happiness, that's the book I'm going to recommend. I love it. What's the music that you listen to? Classic rock, classic rock. Nice. If you, which which I should say, it depends because if my older son's around, he's a college now, but if he's around, I will listen to more rap type stuff, you know, but because, you know, I'll, I'll blend in and listen. And (laughs) I like all music, but my younger son is a classic rock fan. So we'll listen to Simon and Garfunkel, The Doors, you know, we'll listen to all the, all the, the bands that I enjoy. I love it. All right. Um, if you were able to make uh, an ice cream combination custom made for you, what would it, what would it look like? Ice cream combination. <laughs> what kind of question is that? An ice cream combination. Uh, I don't know, black and vanilla and chocolate with some uh, Oreos crushed in there, I guess. Mm-hmm. If you were a food, what kind of food would you be? How's a food? So like, what's my favorite food? No, no. If you were food, <laughs> how I, How would I want to be eaten? I mean, that, that, that might be a perspective. <laughs> how would you want to be eaten? Would you be a vanilla? <laughs> <laughs> I think if I'm going to be a food, I'd probably be sushi. So I'm not cooked or something so <laughs> this way is just eat me raw and that's it i'm done i love it uh, I, I knew we got along some way of course of course you'd want to be eaten raw all right so if you were an animal what kind of animal would you be <sighs> dolphin nice i like it swim in the ocean fast smart a mammal yeah Social, right? They play. If you were a vehicle, what kind of vehicle would you be? A vehicle. Doesn't have to be a car. No, it could be whatever you want. Bicycle. Nice. What kind of bicycle? Single speed or mountain bike? Mountain bike, so you can flip the tires just like I do with mine. Put all the mountain bike tires on, and you you know you could ride on trails, or you put the street tires on, and then you just Cruising around the city, just like I do all the time. I love it. Uh, what's your Enneagram number? You know, I don't know this, but I know you know. So do you know? <laughs> I, I, I think you're a two. I think you're a helper. Uh, I mean, it sounds right. It sounds right. Yeah. What's your astrological sign? Uh, Aquarius. What year uh, in the Chinese zodiac were you born in? You I know? have absolutely zero idea. Mm, I was 1971 if you want to 1971 1971 if I was uh Joe Rogan I would be like Jamie look it up but I'm not I don't have a Jamie yet but I will soon you were a pig which is ironic because you're a Jew so (laughs) (laughs) Park is good bro all right so if you were dying if you were dying um what would be your last meal Mm, what would be my last meal 
it would be a seven course meal of whatever food you wanted to give me. Just make it last like four hours. It would be it would be that meal we had in Colorado where we were at that restaurant that and they awesome. kept bringing little dishes for like two hours. That it would be that meal. I love it. I love it. It would be like a long cocoon, bro. <laughs> It'd be death 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 would be waiting at the door come on already let's go (laughs) what course is this (laughs) all right so last experience what would be the last experience that you would want to have as long as you want as short as you want who would you share it with but it would be your last experience i think i don't know if this would be my family's last experience but it definitely would be mine I think I'd be driving with my wife and two sons and we would be going somewhere that was probably a good three hours away. Cause for me, when the four of us, when we're in the car and everyone's, that's where there's no TV, there's no phone. You're, you know, everyone's like, there's, and you're all so physically close together in a car. Like you, like there's like a certain tightness like a certain bond when you're driving together on a trip with somebody mm-hmm. and you're going somewhere and you're excited like you have that 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 excitement when you're going on a trip uh that and everyone's talking and sharing that would be it that would be my my land i would i would take a three-hour drive and then die when i got there yeah i was thinking like during the drive would you die or after or like you know what i'm taking you guys with me <laughs> I would get there, park the car, and then die. <laughs> uh, the last piece of advice for the next generation. Hmm. Last piece of advice. I mean, I guess it would be like, like probably some that similar thing. I think. I mean, it would be like that happiness thing. You could but, take a. You could take a moment. Like you can. I mean, to me. I think life is much simpler than we make it. And so I would, I guess, for the next generation, so not like like I was giving advice to my son going to college, more like a generational thing. Well, not the next generation after you, but the one that's coming up right now, like, you know, the, the caretakers of our world. Don't be afraid to work for what you want and don't expect to be given everything because it's much better to work for something than to be handed something. That would be my piece of advice. I love it. It's beautiful. Um, are you going to be buried or burned? They don't like to burn, they don't like to burn juice. Oh. So... I'll probably be buried, but I honestly have not thought about it. My wife and I are the worst when it comes to this. We don't, I don't even know where I'd be buried. I don't even know if we have like plots laid out. So, right, but most like I put you in my backyard. I'll I'll build I'll uh, I'll grow like a fucking um like a tree out of I you. told I told my kids I want to be stuffed and put and put in the, in the house so they could just like hang a hat <laughs> like on the me. living room. <laughs> that that's the only the only time we really have talked about where i want to be buried is that so i love it bro i'll do that for you uh, so the last line on your tombstone or on your shirt 
if you're going to be on the living room. The last line. Love life. I love it. Um, thank you. Thank you so much, bro. Oh, this is great, bro. Uh, is there anything that we didn't cover that you'd like to share with the listeners? Something that maybe I didn't ask you or we didn't touch on? I feel like we touched on everything. I couldn't even imagine thinking of anything else. I mean, yeah, obviously, they even want to know what vehicle I'm going to be. So, I mean, well, what else possibly could there be? <laughs> I love it. Bro, thank you so much. I appreciate you. I love you. Um, you're you're truly a gift in this world. And... Maybe, you know what? I will say maybe one thing that they don't understand, that they don't know. And it's only because of the intro and how amazing that intro was that you said. And I will just say that, you know, for every person that you're, I would say this too, to the next generation, that for every person that you help, that you're able to, to give something to and help along their way, the, the amount that you get back is so, so much that once you start realizing that giving allows you to receive to such a greater degree, it's it's so overwhelmingly just it's just so wonderful that what i gave you what i gave you know what i gave rome i guess i'd be saying this to your listeners is only uh uh a drop in the bucket from what rome has given me back that's what i'd want them to know thank you bro you're gonna make me cry you already did make me cry i'm crying (laughs) I love you, bro. I really do. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful that our paths have crossed in this life, and I'm sure they've crossed in many others. Uh, of course. So thank you, brother. Thank you. I love bro, you, and uh, love we'll you, talk bro. soon. You got it. Love you. for listening to the Alchemy of Self podcast. If you resonate with our message, please show us some love by hitting the subscribe button and giving us a like. You can also visit our website at www.romza.com to continue your journey of self-discovery and keep up with our latest offerings. With love and harmony from all of us at the Alchemy of Self podcast.